Hello everyone, and welcome to Player's Spellbook. This is a podcast all about the magic of Dungeons & Dragons, starting with the spells in the 5th edition Player's Handbook. We're talking about their uses for both players and Dungeon Masters to elevate the magic of your game. I'm your host Derek, I'm joined by my co-host Tim, and this week we begin the first in our series of detection spells with Detect Evil and Good. I feel like it should be Detect Good and Evil. Yeah, like I understand them wanting to do it alphabetically, but it doesn't it doesn't, it doesn't flow. It doesn't flow work. very well. <laughs> it, everybody says good and evil, and so you just think it should be detect good and evil. This is, I feel like it's just overly complicating it. The idea, I guess, is that if you're good aligned, you call it detect evil, and if you're evil aligned, you call right. it detect good. I don't think you're actually supposed to in game say, oh, I'm about to cast detect right. evil and good. Yeah. It's it's the most clunky spell name with the possible exception of protection from yeah. evil and good which is worse only in being more <laughs> verbose yeah yeah you mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh in previous editions these used to be separate spells right yeah most spells that you come across if they have or in the name it's a couple of older edition spells that fifth edition has smushed together so you used to have detect evil which actually detected evil aligned creatures within the area right. of the spell whereas this as we're going to see soon detects just creature types that extra planar right. creature types uh, similarly you would have uh, evil aligned paladins would have access to detect good and you could do the same thing detect good aligned creatures and there was also on top of that detect law and detect oh, yeah. chaos uh, which was great for our pirate themed game when all of the uh enemy uh, pirate hunter paladin started casting detect chaos and uh, all of our all of our players assumed like oh well you know we're good aligned they're going to be detecting for evil and we'll be fine and it's like no they're detecting for chaotic alignments which all of you have because <laughs> you're pirates nice perfect so that yeah. yeah that was fun detecting alignment is interesting i think alignment is less of a thing in 5e it depend. I guess it depends on your game. Yes, I, th- I think in fifth edition they intentionally moved away from the very rigid alignment systems that you find in older Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. Uh, like it's my understanding. I don't have any experience with with first or second D and D, first or second edition D and D, but it's my understanding that in those editions you actually had languages based on your alignment. Like lawful aligned celestials spoke lawful, Whoa. and good like good line celestial like angels oh. spoke good um so now you have celestial uh infernal and abyssal to kind of cover right. those uh but yeah the D D intentionally in fifth edition took a big step away from the rigid alignment system and now spells that previously interacted with that that were classics in the game and had to be left in now have a lot more to do with dealing with extra planar right. creatures yeah which makes sense but I guess we've spoken enough about the spell without actually describing it. Why don't I go ahead and yeah, read the for text sure. for us so we all are on <laughs> oh, the yeah. same page. Detect Evil and Good is a first-level divination spell with a casting time of one action. It has a range of self and verbal and somatic components. Its duration is concentration up to 10 minutes. For the duration, you know if there is an aberration, celestial, elemental, fey, fiend, or undead within 30 feet of you, as well as where the creature is located. Similarly, you know if there is a place or object within 30 feet of you that has been magically consecrated or desecrated. The spell can penetrate most barriers, but it is blocked by one foot of stone, 
one inch of common metal, a thin sheet of lead, or three feet of wood or dirt. It is available for the Cleric and Paladin classes, as well as the Divine Soul Sorcerer and Pact of the Genie Warlocks. Are these the same dimensions as are in the message cantrip? In terms of what can block the spell? In terms of what can block the spell. Yes, I believe so. I think that's their usual dimensions of what blocks magic. I think the the notable thing really is a thin sheet of lead. If you really want to foil magic from getting through a barrier, you put a sheet of lead in there. Yeah. So I imagine that most, for instance, I imagine most like D&D safes or bank vaults or something like that will have a thin sheet of lead like built inside of them to prevent all sorts of scrying and other magical attempts to access what's inside. Yeah, that makes sense. I think one of the first things that's worth mentioning when it comes to the detect evil spell is the difference between detect evil and divine sense. Because paladins in previous editions, in third edition, had the ability to just cast detect evil at will. And so this was like, in a lot of ways, the signature spell of paladins, though it was available to clerics. Now paladins in fifth edition have a slightly different ability called divine sense, Mm -hmm. where As an action, you open your awareness to detect extraplanar forces. Until the end of your next turn, you know the location of any celestial, fiend, or undead within 60 feet of you that is not behind total cover. Uh, You Hmm. learn the type, but not its identity. You can also detect any place or object that has been consecrated or desecrated, for example, using the Hallow spell. So obviously a lot of similarities there with a couple of key differences. This is one action that you take like like a radar pulse to detect rather than detect evil and good, which is a, a sort of supernatural sense that you gain for up to 10 minutes. Detect mm-hmm. evil and dead detects a whole bunch of creature types, uh, whereas this is uh, divine sense is limited to celestials, fiends, and undead, so you're missing out on fey, elementals, and aberrations. Mm-hmm. Um, it has double the range of detect evil and good. Detect evil and good is 30 feet. Divine sense mm-hmm. is 60. Um, Instead of all the complicated things that can block it, it's just whether or not the creature is behind total cover. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a few differences. You could see if you're like a like a demon hunter or like an exorcist paladin, how you might want to take detect evil and good on top of divine sense or maybe if your paladin in particular is like sworn an oath of vengeance against like an evil archfey, they might have a divine sense that doesn't detect the fae that they're looking for. Yeah, um, yeah. But generally speaking, I think in most cases, if you're a paladin, your divine sense will do for you most of what detect evil and good will do for you. And you don't right. have that many spells available to select. So I think most paladins will give this a pass and it's mostly a cleric spell. At least that's been my experience. Yeah, that makes sense. Is are there like rules for consecration and desecration or is that just kind of like a like we mentioned, you mentioned the Hallow spell, but like aside from that, is would it just kind of be like the DM says that this place is consecrated or desecrated, or is that like an older edition rule that was like more common? Yeah, it was. I don't know if it was necessarily more common in older editions. Uh, the mechanical effects of consecration and desecration is mostly covered in the Hallow spell in terms of how it works. Uh, Mm -hmm. Though it is worth mentioning that in the Wilderness Hazards section of the Dungeon Master's Guide, it includes a section on desecrated ground. 
it says some cemeteries and catacombs are imbued with the unseen traces of ancient evil an area of desecrated ground can be any size and a detect evil and good spell cast within range reveals its presence thanks very much undead standing on desecrated ground have advantage on all saving throws oh a vial of holy water purifies a 10-foot square area of desecrated ground when sprinkled on it, and a hallow spell purifies desecrated ground within its area. Okay. Interesting. So it's, it's often underutilized, but I think it's a fantastic bit of tactical terrain to throw into, um, to throw into a fight with a powerful undead. You know, maybe your vampire really yeah. wants to make sure that he fights your player characters inside the desecrated chapel. Uh, or maybe the ghouls have this instinctual understanding that they are better off sticking to the graveyard. Uh, and so mm-hmm. they're, maybe your players have to strategically try to draw the undead away from the desecrated ground to make them easier to fight. Um, or maybe they have to bring along some holy water and purify the area before the fight or even during the fight. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, often underutilized uh, because... Uh, when you're designing terrain for an encounter, whether you're using like tiles or a map making software or something like that, it's just not something you think about. Yeah. You don't usually have like a dedicated tile or a dedicated uh, stamp to mark out desecrated ground, but it's a big tactical thing. And I think it's, it's very useful and, and interesting to, to include. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like I never I don't think we've ever played with desecration or consecration as like a thing in the game. So it's uh, interesting. You guys did actually it. fight a vampire on um, Twin Flames Island atop the uh, sort of ancient oh, yeah. is this Aztec vampire atop this ancient ziggurat and the top of the ziggurat was desecrated ground. Um, oh. I think you guys ended up just brute forcing it. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, relying on him. You know, making so many saving throws and using attack rolls instead of saves to just get past it. Uh, but yeah, there was like areas, particularly around the like bloodied altar where the vampire had offered sacrifices to his evil gods, that was desecrated ground. And uh, part of the fight could have been trying to get the vampire away from there. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But interestingly as i recall the uh cleric or no the warlock cast a hunger of hadar like right on top of the altar mm-hmm. uh, and the vampire just decided that it was since it resisted cold damage and didn't care too much about the darkness it was just going to stay in there <laughs> so <laughs> uh yeah it ended up uh being a very a very interesting fight <laughs> yeah 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 definitely now i remember but like I wouldn't have even known that was desecrated ground because it's not like a rule that's so common. It it isn't a rule that comes up a lot. Yeah. If your DM uses it a lot, then this yeah. is a much better spell, but I don't know how many DMs use yeah. desecrated ground all the time. I feel like the uh the only times I I really only see this cast if someone if like you're kind of suspecting or looking for some kind of a creature that's fey or fiend or something, or uh, you're you're in a dungeon and you're just expecting that there's going to be something terrible behind every corner. So you might as well <laughs> put this up for 10 minutes and try to get through as much of a dungeon as possible, seeing if you can ruin one of your DM's surprise attacks or something. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's a much more situational spell than like last week's episode of Cure Wounds, where yeah. you know, almost every campaign, unless you're you're just doing like heavy role playing every week, you're probably gonna need magical healing. Yeah. Um, in some, you know, in your first few levels, if you're just fighting bandits, then detect evil might not really be relevant <laughs> for you. Uh, yeah. But it can have some fantastic uses, as you said, mm-hmm. if you're worried about, like, basically the D&D equivalent of jump scares, something yeah. <laughs> being around the corner. Yeah. You can know if it's there. Um, also, I'm thinking uh, if you're dealing with, like, an invasion of the body snatchers situation uh, yeah, yeah. where, like fiends uh, like rakshasas or something have shape changed um mm-hmm. or like their um this one you know, aberrations on so. uh it yes i guess that's true it wouldn't work on rakshasas but if you have other shape changing fiends um you can detect where they are uh, and so yeah. you can sort of subvert that um yeah also like possession maybe you could tell mm-hmm. if somebody's possessed by a ghost if they start yeah. like pinging on detect evil and good mm. that would be cool i think as a so, as a dm yeah, you there's... could put you could put this in like a high security place as like a like a people have to walk through it like they're walking through a security like a metal detector at an airport yeah yeah like a metal it... detector but a, a ghost detector yeah yeah exactly or a fey detector or whatever but basically to make yeah sure exactly that... maybe you can you can figure out if you're uh you know the guide leading you through the local rainforest is actually a coaddle in disguise <laughs> yeah there you go well that's our thoughts on the spell why don't we move on to character corner yeah so i i thought of dietrich the detect evil and good uh cleric i thought they'd be a ghost hunter so yeah uh, nice yeah so i uh, like they maybe they grew up in like a haunted house but grew up with a better understanding of ghosts rather than uh being scared of ghosts all the time and so i'm i thought that their like quest hook would be more something that uh either something happens to the ghosts that they know in their haunted house like they disappear and they're trying to figure that out or something where one of the ghosts has like uh unfinished uh quest or something and they're gonna uh then Dietrich is gonna go and finish that quest on behalf of this ghost or retrieve some kind of item to bring it back. Um and there uh wherever this item is, it might be in the the hands of some other uh undead entity and they keep having to use detect evil and good to try to they're kind of using it to either find this entity or to find uh their missing ghost friends who are who have uh who who they they've lost so either one of those hooks i was thinking one of them like if they're using it to find their friends i thought that's kind of fun because it's like a different way to use usually you're using this spell to detect threats not to, to find, find things that you want to kill yeah so <laughs> things that want to kill yeah you. so it's just trying yeah. to f- think about oh could you use this as more of a way to try to find uh something that you want to find rather than like detecting something you ho- hope isn't there in the first place <laughs> yeah yeah no that, that that's a neat inversion mm-hmm. like in a way detect evil and good is kind of the non-combat version of protection from evil and good right 
And so maybe this is more of a spell for use in like wilderness adventure or social encounters, whereas the protection spell is the one that you use in a fight. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why don't we move on to creature? Corner? Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, well, first thing to mention is that there's actually a lot of monsters in the monster manual that have access to this spell. Mm. Um, pixies can cast it uh, once per day, which I think is kind of cute. Yeah. They sort of figure out if you're trustworthy or not. Coatles and other celestials like unicorns and devas can cast this. Uh, and then higher challenge celestials like planetars and solars. So all the angels can cast it as well as the androsphinx. And what I think is very interesting, three of the four genies can cast this oh, wow. at will. The Dao, the Jin, and the Merid all get detect evil and good at will. And then the Afridi doesn't get it at all. Oh. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's it's very interesting. I'm not sure why they decided that that wasn't an ability that Efreets should have. Mm. Um, but maybe it was just an oversight or they? maybe they uh maybe there's something deep in the depths of D lore where afridi don't have this sense that the other gins have yeah maybe or do they have another spell that's more on point for afridi or something that uh they have enlarge reduce oh well okay never mind <laughs> <laughs> interestingly like almost all the other genies have a whole bunch of at will spells uh, whereas the Afridi have exactly one at-will spell, which is Detect Magic. Okay. So, yeah, not sure what the deal is there, but genies and celestials and some fey basically get to cast this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which interestingly means they will all end up detecting themselves <laughs> as part of the spell. <laughs> so, hey, it's good to know where you are. Yeah, for sure. All right. Uh, the creature that I came up with for uh, this week's episode is based in uh, Hindu mythology. Uh, it's a creature called the Makara, mm -hmm. uh, which uh, is often depicted as sort of the, the chariot beast or the mount of the gods as they're moving about in, uh, in the mortal world. It is also frequently carved into, from what I understand, Hindu temples. Uh, and you'll see a lot of sort of it's it's like similar to gargoyles in kind of european architecture a lot of temples and um will have makaras carved in in front of the temple as like temple guardians mm -hmm. uh, and so in in the mythology they're either sort of the transport of the gods or they guard the the homes of the gods um, and so it was that idea of a temple guardian that i thought would really tie in well with the detect evil and good these are creatures that are meant to sense extra planar influences and defend their their area from them mm. um, so they rather than being able to cast the spell they just have an at will sense of aberrations celestials elementals fey fiends and undead within 30 feet of themselves uh, and then i also gave them a um, special trait that gives them advantage on attack rolls if they're standing in a consecrated place hmm. uh, so they are interested in finding out areas that have been magically consecrated normally temples and kind of making that the place where they fight hmm. cool so yeah uh, i think that they would be a frequent um companion for say like oath of the watcher paladins mm. um or uh 
clerics or even druids who are very interested in preventing like extra planar incursions. These would be really handy creatures. You could even use them as mounts um, because they're they're large size. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's a it's a fascinating bit of mythology certainly worth uh, worth looking into and reading up on mm-hmm. and uh yeah a fairly straightforward monster with a supernatural sense for evil or good <laughs> yeah yeah that's sweet uh would you see it as like a more social or more uh, combat encounter uh, I think they're they're more of a combat encounter I gave them uh like animal levels of intelligence so like a a two intelligence and an eight charisma. I think they're uh, from what I understood from the mythology, maybe I got it wrong, mm-hmm. but I think they're kind of like, I think they're basically animals. They're beasts. Um, okay. And so though, though this is in, uh, in terms of its uh, creature type, it's a monstrosity. Uh, it is just sort of a guard for lack of a better word, dog. Oh, okay. Although uh, the Makara's carvings that, that I have seen, um, have sort of elements of crocodiles, elephants, and lions sort of all mishmashed together. Uh, okay, nice. And what's the challenge rating you had for it? Uh, I gave him a challenge rating of six. Okay. Um, so I, I thought that like a pair of Makaras and a war priest, for instance, would be a really good like challenge 10 ish encounter. Uh, yeah, nice. Yeah. So if you're interested in checking out the Makara for use in your game, you can take a look in the description below of the podcast. Uh, and you can also head on over to the DMs Guild, which is where that link will take you. We have a page there under Griffin Games with the Makara and a whole bunch of other titles that we've uh, produced. Feel free to check those out. Yeah, you can also rate or review us wherever you're listening and Follow us on Twitter at Player Spellbook. That's Player Spellbook with one S. And join us next week for Detect Magic. We're just going to keep on detecting for the next few weeks. Thanks for joining us for episode one of our Detect series. We'll spell you later. <laughs>